Colossians chapter 2. We're going to be 1 through 13. Christ our treasure. Let me find it here. Whoever turns their Bible there the fastest is the most spiritual in the room. Okay? <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm, I'm a little slow, so not that spiritual tonight. One more page. Okay. So Colossians, what a beautiful short uh, letter from the Apostle Paul to uh, the Colossian church. Um, we know in chapter 1 that Paul it magnifies Jesus Christ, uh, exclaims that, that, proclaims that all things were made through him and for him, and by him everything is held together. Uh, he exalts the supremacy of Jesus Christ uh, in the first chapter. It's a beautiful chapter to go to if you're talking to Mormons, Jehovah Witnesses, or many of the different cults and religions out there, because most of their attack is on the person of Jesus Christ, the deity of Jesus Christ. And so that is a great point to focus on when you are uh, talking to people. Do it in love, but turn there. Turn your Bibles there and just read. Uh, you can go to John chapter 1, Hebrews chapter 1, or Colossians chapter 1, okay, or the rest of the Bible, because uh, it all points to Christ, right? Um, and, and just read with them. So, uh, but we're not going to be in chapter 1 today. We're going to read from 1 and see how far I get through 13, okay? Um, so this is Paul. Listen to his heart. For I want you to know how great a struggle I have on your behalf and for those who are at Laodicea and for all those who have not personally seen my face that their hearts may be encouraged, having been knit together in love and attaining to all the wealth that comes from the full assurance of understanding, resulting in a true knowledge of God's mystery, that is, Christ himself, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Um, I'll continue in a, in a moment here. Uh, look at Paul. What struggle does Paul have in his life? We look at our own lives and we say, I struggle with finances, I struggle with my job, I struggle with this, I struggle with that. What was Paul's struggle in his life above all? It was for the body of Christ. He labored, he prayed, he fasted, he grieved over the churches. If the church was doing well, he rejoiced. If a church was falling away, he wept with tears and pleaded with them and corrected them and pursued them until they turned back to the Lord, like we see in the letter of Galatians, right? Um, and many other places, he's just laboring and laboring for the church. At uh, one point, he says he's sitting in jail and he has uh, his, his faithful friend, Timothy. Again, and, I, and I've said this multiple times, but he he says, when I could endure it no more, I sent Timothy to find out, you know, the condition of the church, right? So what drove Paul? What was he, what was he burdened uh, over? What was his struggle? It was that other believers would do well in Christ. 
And any true believer, you, uh, you're walking with the Lord. If you see someone you know, someone you love that is uh, struggling or starting to listen to strange teaching or they're starting to get caught up and you start hearing them talking about keeping the Sabbath or doing strange uh, religious rituals and so on, um, you get concerned. You get concerned and you start to pursue them. You start to pray for them. You start to challenge them, write them letters, uh, study the word in those areas and present truth to them to draw them back to the truth. Uh, that's, that's the heart of love for one another, right? That people would be standing in truth. So Paul, we know, struggled even for people, he says, that have not personally seen his face. That's amazing that his heart was so, uh, it had been so filled with the love of God from God's Spirit that, uh, that he's laboring and struggling for people he's never even met, never even seen. And yet uh, they are children of God and he loves them and he's laboring for them and struggling for them. And what was his struggle? Uh, that their hearts would be encouraged, that they would be knit together, the churches, the body of Christ would be knit together in love. Okay, he wants them to grow. His desire is the same as the Lord Jesus, is that the body of Christ not just be saved and be thankful and carry on with our lives, but that we mature in Christ. Any child that's born, it, it does not stay a child. It learns to talk. It learns to walk. It, it eats. It grows teeth. You know, he, she grows teeth, right? <laughs> not it. <laughs> Whatever gender it chooses to be. <laughs> well, you only got two. Pick one. Um, we'll pick it for you. God picked it for you, I should say, right? Um, but anyway, sorry, I digress there. Um, but it grows, the child grows and, and becomes a young man or a young woman, matures and, and grows up. And hopefully uh, at the age of 20 is not still sucking his thumb, is not still drinking a baby bottle, uh, is not still you know, playing video games at mom's house at uh, 30 years old and mom's doing the laundry and, and so on. But we want to grow into men or into women that, that know how to work with our hands, know how to use these minds to uh, be responsible, to, uh, to, to labor and have a good testimony to others, to, uh, to work in this life and cultivate and do the things that God created us to do. Amen? Not just stay children, stay babies. And, and that is the desire that God has for the church. You remember John 15. Uh, he says that, that um, Jesus is the vine and we are the branch. Right? And God, the, the vine dresser, he, any branch that does not bear fruit, he prunes. Right? He, he cuts off those, those branches that are dead, those branches that are absorbing the nutrients needed for the rest of the tree, and yet it's sending it to a branch that's dead and producing nothing. And so that is why people that are good with plants, right, you cut the dead branches off so that the live ones can have all the nutrients and bear fruit. I have a tree in Mexico. It's a durazno tree. It's a um, peach tree. And that thing's died like three times. But amazingly, 
After all this rain, it, now it's budding and it's got beautiful pink flowers all over it. So I'm expecting some nice juicy um, doraznos or peaches right, this year. So that's what God desires and wants with the body of Christ. He wants maturity. He wants growth. He wants fruit. He comes seeking fruit. Look at the, look at the fig tree. Jesus was hungry. He, he saw the leaves. It was promising fruit. And he, he came and said, uh, where's the fruit? And he cursed that tree. Never again are you going to bear fruit. Never again. You're, and it, it withered up and died. Okay? This is a picture for us that God, he... He produces fruit in us. If He lives in us and we're walking with Him, He says, Abide in me and I in you in John 15, and you will bear much fruit. You will bear much fruit. Not maybe. If you are abiding, what's your job? What's my job? Abiding in Christ. Praise the Lord you're here on a Wednesday night. Abiding, amen? Seeking truth and worshiping the Lord. Um. That's a beautiful thing. Don't stop. Amen. Don't stop seeking the Lord. We need him more in these times than ever before. Okay. Uh, things were being shaken in this world. We know that, that there is a systematic uh, attack on this nation and things are just being broken down before our eyes. And it seems to nothing, nothing is stopping it. Right. Uh, the, the economy is being shut down. The the food systems are being shut down. The gas is, is raising. The price for food, the price for eggs, someone's saying, is absolutely ridiculous over here. Is that true? Right? <laughs> My goodness. Lord, we need to pray for chickens. Amen? Because <laughs> they provide them free after that. You know? Um, so... Things are being broken down, and, and we don't know exactly what the future holds, but we know what the Scripture says, and we know at some point, yes, it's going to get extremely difficult. And at some point, yes, the Antichrist is going to enter the world if he's not entered already, and at some point he's going to raise up uh, the the. The, uh, the uh, things that bind him are going to be removed and he's going to have reign for a time and he's going to come against the church. The saints wage war against us. Okay, so yes, the, the tree will be shaken. Things will fall off. We need to be those who remain. We need to remain. Whether you have a house or your house gets removed. Whether you have a job or your job gets removed. Whether you have finances in the bank or that gets removed. Whether you have food in the pantry or that gets removed. And tonight I want to point your eyes to Jesus, our treasure. Because there's only going to be room in your heart for one treasure. One treasure. We know what the scripture says. You can't serve two masters, correct? Because you will either love the one and hate the other. Or you will be loyal to one and you will despise the other. We cannot love God and the world. We cannot love him and love this world. If, the, if we love the world, the love of the Father is not in us. 1 John chapter 2, uh, 15 through 17, I believe. Okay? We must love him. Our eyes must be open to Christ. 
Okay, I believe it's in Ephesians. It says the eyes of our heart talks about. There's that song, open the eyes of our heart, Lord, right? And I used to sing that in my youth when I was still a sinner. And so, you know, that song kind of brings back not too good memories. But then I go and I read through in Scripture, and it talks about that the eyes of our our heart, Paul was praying, you know, that, that our eyes would be pointed to him and so on, right? That we grow in maturity in him. And... Uh, we need these eyes of faith open, fully open, so that we are living our life looking at the treasure, looking at the prize. Not with these eyes. These eyes are fading away. Some people know that, right? People have glasses. We get older. Our eyes start fading. We need eyes like, like Moses. He was 120, it says his eyes still had strength. Still. That's interesting, the scripture notes that, huh? God gave him good eyesight throughout his entire life till 120 years old. That is what you and I need. Focus on the one treasure that lasts forever. And if our eyes are on him and we're complete in Him, then, yes, things hurt. Yes, losing things hurts. Sure, losing money hurts. Losing a job hurts. Losing a home hurts. Losing things is difficult. It's painful. We need those things. Being in jail, being in prison, maybe for Christ one day, yeah, that's going to hurt. That's going to hurt. And doubt is going to rush in. And all these things and disillusionment is going to rush in and say, wait a second, why am I suffering? Think about John the Baptist, right? He knew who Jesus was. God showed him. God told him, the one who he saw the Spirit descend, this this is he, this is the Messiah, this is the Lamb of God. When John saw Jesus coming, what did he say? Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Did he know who he was? Yes, absolutely. What happened when John went to, to prison after maybe six months of ministry? Uh... Can you go tell Jesus, are you the one to come? Or, or should we expect somebody else? Right? What happened there? He's a man. The greatest man born among women, Jesus says. An incredible prophet of God. A spokesman of God. Preparing the way for the Lord Jesus. What no greater job than that in the world. And yet, in his, in his weakness as a man. In his mind. He struggled in suffering. What is happening? This is not what I expected. This this is not what the end that I thought uh, would be for the one preparing the way for the Lord. I'm a little confused. I'm a little disillusioned. I need maybe maybe a little help. Are you the one to come? Can you just confirm that please to me? <laughs> kind of like Gideon, right? Go do this. Okay, please confirm it. Uh, you know, make the ground dry and the lamb uh, skin wet in the morning. Then I'll know that it's from you. Okay, God does that miracle. Uh, please just, you know, just help me out a little bit more. I still just need a little bit more confirmation, God, even though that was uh, miraculous and supernatural. Now could you make the, the lamb skin, uh, 
which one did they say? The ground dry? Now, make the ground wet and the lambskin dry, please, just so that I can know this is from you. Okay, and then what does God give him? He gives him a, a dream, right? Or gives people a dream that Gideon's camp came and, and took him out. And so God, in his faithfulness, he confirmed to him and gave him what he needed. He even called him a man of great valor, the man that was hiding Right, he was he was uh, he was doing his work uh, in hiding. Okay, he did what God said, tore down his father's idol, but he did it at night. He was a weak man, Gideon, a weak man. And when the angel came to him, he said, "Man of great valor." God has a sense of humor, right? Okay, just being nice, maybe. <laughs> Okay, but, but God uses weak men. He uses weak women. It's okay to be weak. You need to be weak. One preacher said, God doesn't want your strength. He has enough of that. He wants your weakness. He doesn't have any of that. So he wants yours. Okay? Give God your weakness. Serve him in your weakness. Okay? That he can be glorified and use you as that, that pot, that jar of clay, as that band created their name after, right? Let God use you even in your weakness. Yes, there's going to be struggles, okay? But God is faithful. We don't know the exact time, but we see things happen. Do you guys see things happening? All the time. I stopped even just watching the news. <laughs> I took the apps off my phone for now, you know, because I don't want it to consume all my time. Okay? Um, we need to be fully focused on Christ. And my question to you tonight, personal question for you to ask yourself is, have your eyes seen the Christ? Have you seen the treasure that is hidden in Christ? Because if you haven't, when difficulty comes, you're going to fall away immediately. You're going to run to the world. You're going to run to other things. When things start being taken away, things start being stripped. When cancer comes, when other things come, when difficulty comes, when you're not even sure if you're going to live next year. You're going to be challenged and your eyes must be set on Christ alone. Amen, Renal. Love you, bro. On Christ alone. Okay, and this is what Paul labored for. Look what he says in verse 2. Their hearts may be encouraged, having been knit together in love and attaining to all the wealth that comes from the full assurance of understanding. Okay, when you grow in understanding, you become fully assured of truth. You become confident because you, you see it. You understand. You grow in maturity. And you understand that God is faithful. He is an eternal rock. He's immovable. The rock of ages. He's a castillo, right? A tower. The righteous run to him and they are saved. Hey, Byron. Love you, bro. Dios te bendiga, hermano. <laughs> I love you guys, man. Miss you guys. Almost been uh, been away four year, four and a half years, almost five years now. 
That's a long time. Why'd you guys kick me out for? Kick me out of the country. Kick me out of America. Made me go to Mexico. I love the people there too. Beautiful. In heaven we'll all be together, amen? With all the saints. Okay? Now, if you have full assurance because you understand the truth and through experiential knowledge you through trial and through difficulty you have come to see the hand of God provide for you time and time again you have seen the hand of God pull through when there was no way over and over as you grow and you start to understand you know what God is faithful and you understand that you start to become wealthy in Christ Your character starts to become formed. These are things that you will take with you into eternity. Everything else gets left here. Everything else except how you live for Christ and what you do for Christ and the character of Christ in you that he has formed and the fruit that he is producing in your life while you live here on this earth. That is what you take with you. Everything else is fading away. I'll leave it all behind. Just let it go in your heart. Let it go. It's for all of us. All of us need that. I continually need that. I'm just like you. I'm a man and I'm an American. Life gets filled with things, filled with stuff, filled with entertainment, filled with comfort, filled with possessions. And we need to have our eyes set on the prize, the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. That's where I must remain, must remain. And because of that, you continue to lay aside the weight and the sin that so easily ensnares us. Lay it aside, make it a habit. Okay, you know what? This is taking too much of my time. Cut it off. Cut it off. Throw it out. Get rid of it. Sure, you have freedom. Maybe just cut it off anyway. Cut it off. So you can run with less weight in your life. Correct? Imagine physically. You're running and you've got all this weight. Or like in the military, they have to run with 100-pound packs. Miles and miles. Do you think they want to take that off? Well, can you imagine, you, you after running miles with 100 pounds, you take it off. You're going to be like, dun, 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 right? Dun. You're going to feel so much better. You're going to be able to run with endurance. The race that is set before you. There's a race set before every believer. And you're to fix your eyes on Jesus, Hebrews 12. The author, the perfecter of our faith. He went before you. He paved the way. Follow me, he says. Follow me. I carried my cross. You pick up your cross. Deny your old life. Deny it. It's weighing you down. Keeping you from me. Crucify that thing. And follow me. Is what he tells us. Luke 9, starting in verse 23, and the other Gospels as well. Daily, pick up your cross, deny yourself, follow him. 
you will be filled with joy because you're, you're lighter when you're running. Amen? It's this that he cares about. Sure, if you have a car, use it. Use it for the Lord. Whatever you have, use it for the Lord. But if it consumes your life, if it weighs you down, just get rid of it. Give it to somebody else. That's what the scripture says. Not me. I have plenty. I'm trying to get rid of stuff, okay? Clothes and stuff. I mean, you can bring your clothes. We'll give it to the poor. But, <laughs> okay? Give it to somebody. If you have two shirts and someone has none, what does Jesus say? Give it to them. You have riches in heaven. What's the focus? Eternity. The things you don't see with your eyes. We take our eyes off of this world and we put it on His world. It's very real. You just don't see it with these eyes yet. Jesus says that, doesn't He? The kingdom of God is in your midst. You think it's something He's going to come and see this very moment. No, you will one day, of course. He's going to come physically and kick the world's butt. <laughs> And, and establish his kingdom and reign forever and ever. And the dynasties of the past will be crushed to powder and blown away. And there will be no more remembrance of any demonic world power ever again. The former things will be passed away. He will wipe away every tear from your eyes. There will be no more mourning. There will be joy in the kingdom of God. Amen. When we sit at the table and eat with him and eat with one another and drink from the fruit of the vine together with our Lord. That's amazing. Partaking of the tree of life. I wonder what that tastes like. Twelve different fruits or something it mentions in... in um, Bears fruit every month. Incredible things. What is the river of life going to look like? Oh, these are fantasies. Really? Well, you're going to die. That's one thing that's not a fantasy. You will die. People will die. Atheists will die. It's a fantasy, is it? We're all leaving this world. And we need to be wise and prepare for eternity. Eyes fixed on eternity. And why are these messages on my heart? Why? Because I love my brothers in the States. And our biggest challenge in one of the wealthiest countries in the world and the most prosperous countries in the world, what's our biggest challenge? How hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. How hard it is. And because I love my brothers, I continually battle this myself. And you also need encouragement to run with endurance. Run with endurance. Continue to throw things aside. Whether it's hobbies, whether it's a use of your time, whatever it might be, even if it's not a sin, let God lead you to use your life for his glory. We had a group of brothers come visit us recently. And there's a sweet lady named Anna that came to, to visit. She lives, she comes up here occasionally. Uh, she lives kind of far away. Uh, I believe in her 50s. And you know what? She's in a place in her life. She says, I, I want to use my life for the Lord. She has a heart for, for uh, orphans and uh, for Mexico. And she just, I say, okay, come visit. She jumps in the car and she comes down and visits. We went to an orphanage, had a beautiful time. She's using her life for the Lord. That's, 
That's what we need. That's what you need so that when you leave this life, you will not regret it. You will not regret it. My wife goes through lots of troubles with me uh, because we, we go to the cross. We go to the cross. We go to the cross for 11 years. A lot of tears, a lot of cre- grief, a lot of crying, a lot of difficulty, a lot. But I know, I know, as I walk with my wife down that path, I know she won't regret it when she goes to be with the Lord. And it's beautiful. I was studying recently. And for us, it talks about us going to sleep. Christians, we go to sleep. And the world goes, ha, ha, ha. When Jesus said, oh, she's, she's, uh, she's just sleeping. And they mocked him. Of course she died. He knew she, she died physically. But... He's talking truly, realistically. Really? No, she was going to be raised. What about Lazarus? He's not dead. He's just sleeping. Oh, good. Let him sleep so he can get better. No, no. He's dead. He's dead. <laughs> Let me just explain to you. He's dead. And I'm glad for your sakes, he says, that, that I didn't go earlier. Why? So that you can see the glory of God. And he raised him from the dead. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he die, he will live. And then he says, do you believe this? The question to all of us, do you believe this? Really believe this? When persecution, he's a spit. Good thing you're a little ways away there. That's why people don't like to sit at the front. Right? (laughs) Excuse me. He was a, he's a llama. He spit at me. <laughs> um, when, when the church was persecuted uh, in, in uh, Romania, I always talk about this because I, I read their history and so on, and it's impacted me for many, many years. So yes, I think about it and I talk about it and I let it help influence the decisions I make in my life. But... Uh, Richard Wormbrand, he said, he said something like this, that there are, when you go to prison and you, you start seeing, uh, there's those who believe and there's those who believe they believe. Does that make sense to you? There's those who truly believe. That's called living faith. Faith without works is what? Dead, James says. You're not saved by your works, but living faith, faith that saves you. If you truly believe him, Your life is going to follow suit. Your life is going to show it naturally. That faith produces works, fruit, obedience to Him, love for Him, passion for Him. And we all need more. I need more. I'm just like you. I struggle. Don't think I'm some perfect guy that prays four hours a day. I mean, yes, I talk to him all day long, but I have to battle and I have to pull away and I have to run and find time. I battle to seek him. Cut it out of my life. Cut this out and that out. Lose sleep here and there so that I can spend time with my God. Beg him to help me be more like Christ. Help me, Lord, to love you more. Help me to be like the psalmist in 119. Oh, how I love your word. I meditate in it day and night. 
right? Psalm 1, Psalm 119. Psalm 119, the biggest chapter. What's it all about? He just every, every possible angle he can talk about the word. Oh, how I love your statutes. Oh, how I love uh, your testimonies. Oh, how I love your commandments. Oh, how I love your judgments. Uh, it's all talking about the word. The word. The word. He's just so in love with the word. God's word to him. And he's fruitful because of it. Where is your treasure? Ask yourself that. Ask yourself. There's only room in your heart for one treasure. One treasure. It's got to be Christ. has to be Christ. But your eyes have to see him for who he is. Then you'll say with, with uh, Peter, when he says, do you want to also leave? Well, where else can we go? You have the words of life. You have the words of life. I have. There's nowhere else I can go. I can't go back. Where am I going to go? Back to hell? Back to death? Back to sin? Back to prison? Back to drunkenness? Back to stupid talking? Back to uh, being abusive and a liar and a thief and walking in darkness? I can't go back. I can't go right. I can't stray from the path. What does Proverbs 4 say? Let your eyes look straight ahead. Do not turn to the right or to the left. Look straight ahead. Straight ahead. You must, you must set your eyes on Christ so that you do not falter on that day of trial, on the day when the storm slaps you from the left and the right and the back and the front and the top. And your whole life is turned upside down. And your health is turned upside down. And everything is not, nothing is working out. There's no income. There's no this. There's no that. Lord, you are my rock. You are my rock. And I trust in you alone. Like Job, yea, though you slay me, I will what? Trust you Trust you. Trust the Lord with all that you are. Do you believe truly with your life? When things get hard, do you believe? When you're confused, do you believe? When things didn't turn out the way you thought they would, do you believe? If you have one more year to live, one week to live, do you believe? Please, Lord. Amen? Amen. And that's why we're talking tonight, so that we do. Okay? What does he say? Res uh, verse 2. We've gotten pretty far so far. Two, two verses. Uh, you guys are going to have to give me about five more hours, please. Cut the tape. Tony's not here anymore, so I'm just kidding. My, my wife will give me the eye. <laughs> this is important. Eternal life and death. Okay, but let's, let's go. Resulting, look at the last half. Uh, actually, let's just look at it again. Uh, that their hearts may be encouraged, having been knit together in love. That's the goal for you in the body of Christ. Okay, not to pull away from each other, but to, to, to know each other sincerely, 
love each other more sincerely, spend more time in fellowship with one another. You're going to need each other, okay? And that comes from the foolish, uh, uh, and attaining to all the wealth that comes from the full assurance of understanding resulting in a, excuse me, in a true knowledge of God's mystery. What's that mystery? That is Christ himself. And if you've been here any number uh, of time, you hear Joe spitting out the Greek, right, for uh, the true knowledge here, epinosis, okay? True knowledge. Our world is seeking knowledge, but it's not the true knowledge. It's not truth. It's a false truth. It's whatever you want it to be truth. It's truth. Uh, it's enlightenment in the Illuminati. It's enlightenment in Satanism. It's enlightenment in Wicca. It's enlightenment, a false enlightenment in philosophies, Vain philosophies, which is the pursuit of wisdom, worldly wisdom, okay? The pursuit of uh, nature and finding answers and intelligence uh, through uh, study and investigation, okay? Uh, but not in Christ. He is the what? The truth. And there is no truth outside of Him. He is the way. He is the truth, and He is the life. And because of Him, you're here today breathing. Your heart is beating. Your ears are working, hopefully, so that you can hear His words and that they can go in your ear and down into your heart and change you and cause you to grow and open your spiritual eyes widely. Okay? And what other word do we see here? Uh, the knowledge, the true knowledge of God's mystery or mysterion, right, that we hear from Joe. That's great, right? Everyone know that word? Aren't we? We're so intelligent. We know Greek now. <laughs> okay, but no, it's useful. It is useful. Uh, and I'm thankful that I hear it repeated, and I repeat it over and over down in Mexico, and I make them repeat it so that they can learn Truth, they can learn uh, where the, the scriptures uh, originated or what language they originated in. We can have a deeper meaning there, fuller understanding. Okay, and the true knowledge of God's mystery. What, what mystery here is he talking about? That is Christ himself. The mystery that was not fully comprehended in the Old Testament by the prophets and so on. Longing to see and, and understand what was coming. To understand more clearly the Christ and what, how this was going to unfold. Christ himself. He is that beautiful mystery. In whom, in him, right, are Hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Do you hear that? In Him, in Him are hidden all the treasures. Let me read it if so I don't say it wrong. The treasures of wisdom and knowledge. You comprehend what's being said here? Meditate on this. Ponder it, how to understand this and walk it out in your life. If there's treasure in your backyard, you're going to dig it up. If you knew there was gold under your property, you'd be there with a backhoe, right? Secretly digging it up, make sure no one else finds it. You'd put fences up and barbed wire, make sure that nobody else sees it, right? Because it's wealth, it's something valuable. We are told by God that all the treasures of, the hidden treasures of wisdom and knowledge are found in the person of Jesus Christ. That's incredible. Profundo, right? Profound. As they say in Mexico, right? Muy profundo. Um, where's your treasure? 
Where is your treasure? Because there's hidden treasure. Why is it hidden? And I think this is so beautiful. Jesus, remember at one point he said, he said it pleased the Father that he hid these things from the learned. He, he hides these treasures. He hides them from prideful people. He hides them from Pharisees, arrogant Pharisees, I should say, religious-minded people who are only after honor from men and they don't care about honor from God. They don't care about the glory of God. They care about glory from men. They care about names in the public place. They care about people patting them on the shoulder and saying, oh, good job, Pastor. That was great. Good job. Oh, do it again. Don't stop. (laughs) Good job. That's what the Pharisees were after. God takes pleasure in hiding these treasures from them and from all who are prideful, all who are haughty, all who are arrogant and exalt themselves. And who does he reveal these treasures to? Babes. Isn't that beautiful? Humble people. People who know they're broken. People who come to God and say, God, I don't have what I need. I am destitute. I am bankrupt. I need you so much or I'm going to fail. Lord, I need you. Please, please help me. Help me understand. Please fill me with your presence. Please fill me with the knowledge of God. Help me, Lord. I'm just this broken little little man. God takes pleasure in giving his kingdom to people such as this. Children. Humble children, right? If we don't come as a child, Matthew 18, 3, there's no other means for you to enter the kingdom of God. You must be converted. You must be converted and become as little children to enter the kingdom of God. Okay? In Him, there is hidden treasure. Beautiful treasure. Okay? Uh, the passage I, I read uh, is Matthew eleven twenty five uh, that He reveals these things to babes. Okay, now uh, think of Abel for a minute in Hebrews 11, uh, verse 4. It says, Abel, although he's dead, he still what? Still speaks. His faith still speaks. And God testifies about his gifts that he gave to the Lord and that he's righteous through faith. Abel, although dead, still speaks. These treasures continue. When you have your eyes open to Him and you're living not governed by this world, not governed by what you see, not governed by how you feel that day or you don't feel, you're sad, you're happy or whatever. I don't think I'll be to fellowship today. I don't think I'll, you know, uh, read the Word today. I don't feel good. I'm just, whatever it might be. I'll just do whatever. Uh, We're not governed by this world. We're not governed by money. We're not governed by pleasure. We're not governed by comfort. We're not governed by, well, this is going to get me thrown in jail. We can't be governed by that either. Or you're not going to do everything he wants you to do. Jesus says, if they hate me, they will hate you. That's a promise. I promise. All who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will, what, Nathan? Will suffer persecution. Second Timothy? 3.12, 2 Timothy 3.12, will suffer persecution. All who desire to live godly. That's a promise. We are called not to wrath, but we are called to tribulation. Paul said, suffer with me as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. Suffer with me. Paul suffered. Jesus suffered. The apostles suffered. 
And we also are called to suffer for righteousness' sake. By simply doing what's right, you will suffer. And we can't be governed by those things or we'll run from them instead of running to Him and obeying Him and moving forward. Amen? We've got to be like Him. Okay. I'm going to skip through here. I'm going to look at verse 9 for the sake of time. Uh, for in Him... All the fullness of deity dwells in bodily form. Think of this. In him, in Christ, all the fullness of deity dwells in bodily form. When they, Jesus said, if you've seen me, Philip, you've seen the Father. Jesus was God in the flesh. Now great is the mystery of godliness. He was manifest in the flesh, right? Seen by angels and so on. Preached on in the world. Caught up in glory. Um, Jesus, God in the flesh, Emmanuel, God with us. The fullness of the deity in bodily form. What did Jehovah Witnesses got to do with this one? You know, I mean, they've got to change so many things. Change the whole book of Colossians, the whole letter. <laughs> Add things in uh, chapter 1 and take things out. Change lots of things. There's so much of Christ. In the Old Testament, what does he say? You think you read the scriptures because in them you think you have eternal life. These are they which speak of who? Me, Jesus says. The Old Testament testified of Christ. Moses testified of Christ. The prophets testified of Christ. Jesus coming into the world. Isaiah testified a lot of Christ, Zechariah, of Christ, Joel, of Christ. All of these prophets in the Old Testament all point to Him. Him. In Him the fullness dwells. And look at verse 10. And in Him you have been made what? Complete. You need to believe this with your whole life. You are complete in Christ. And if you're complete, you are okay if you lose other things. You're okay in your life if it's shaken up. Yes, it's difficult. It doesn't mean it's easy. It's not easy. But you know what? There's great joy, actually. When we lose things at times, there's joy. Great joy because you draw near to Him. There's fellowship in suffering. Suffering with Christ, there is great, beautiful, beautiful fellowship with Jesus Christ that the world will never know because it's hidden from the prideful and it's given to children. Hidden treasures, real treasures. Not things that are fading away. He provides those too. If your heart is in the right place, yes, here, you need food. Here, yes, you need a car to get to work. Here, you need a job. Here, you need a roof. Paul said, having food and clothing with these things, we will be content. He learned how to abase, how to abound. How did he do that? Because he said, he, he found the key, Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You see, he found, he learned, he learned contentment, he says in chapter 4. He learned it, just like you and I are learning, and I encourage you to keep learning, as I also am suffering and learning through it. 
And it feels terrible at times. Horrific when you're going through it. But I don't ask him to take me out of it until he's done. Only help me, God. Help me. Or I will fail. Crushed under this weight. Paul said in Asia, what? And I said this last time probably. You see what's in my heart lately. If I repeat myself, it's because it's still there in my heart. Okay? He came to the point where he despaired of his own life. Paul, this Navy SEAL of Christianity. Paul, the apostle. This man that's a soldier. This man that doesn't stop. This man that gets beaten. He gets back up and keeps preaching. This man says, inside I have trembling. Inside I have fear. Inside I have weakness. Weakness. And in Asia, he despaired even of his own life. He felt just like dying. Why? What lesson did God teach him through that? He tells us. He says so that I could learn. I could learn that to rely on God who raises the dead, not on my own strength. Amen? We need to know that God works all things together for good to those who love him. Romans 8.28 He is, if you love him, if you're seeking him, he is working in your life. Even if he allows difficulty. Don't worry. He allows it for a reason. If it's happening and you're walking uprightly with him, you know he's allowing it. Satan needs permission to do anything to you. Can I, can I do this to him, please? Uh, no. Oh, man. Can I sift him like wheat, please? Jesus says, I prayed for you. When you get up, I'm going to have you do something for me. Okay? I'm going to commission you. After you get up, Peter, he's asked to sift you like wheat. He what? Satan asked. Asked. Satan had to ask the Father, can I do this to your servant? Can I do this to him? What about Job? God said, hey, have you seen my servant Job? Kind of makes me tremble. I'm like, please don't mention me to Satan, Lord. <laughs> right? Have you seen Jonathan down in Mexico? Oh. <laughs> no, no. God's good. His will is good. We need to trust him, right? In him, you have been made complete. If you're complete, then you can be content whether you abase and at times whether you abound. Because what's God trying to do in you? He's trying to teach you and become more like his son Jesus. Okay? His, his parents, they were obviously had some poverty. They brought turtle doves uh, for the sacrifice when Jesus was born. That's what the poor would bring if they couldn't afford the proper sacrifice. Okay, but what happened afterward? What happened? The Magi came a few years later. They gave them gold. They gave them frankincense, myrrh provided for them to flee to Egypt, right? So you can abase, you can abound. Your heart needs to be fixed on Christ. Fix your eyes on Jesus. More, more clearly, more disciplined. Fix your eyes on Him tonight. Amen? More than you ever have. Okay, praise the Lord. And I will fix my eyes on this message so I can get finished. My wife said, stay on track. 
because I go like this and this and this. And we prayed before I came in. Lord, help me. Okay. Page one of 72 pages. We're doing good. Hmm. Okay. Understand this. Jesus is your source. Okay? He's the source, the fountain of living water. Go no further. It's found in Him. Jesus said to the woman at the well, remember, can give me, please give me. Woman, give me some water. Whoa, you don't have anything to draw. He said, if you knew who was talking to you, you'd ask me. And I would give you living water. Give me this living water, Lord. Okay? You would ask me, he says, if you only knew... If people only knew who he was, they would ask him because he's the source of all life. In him is life. Amen? John chapter 1. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. In him was life. He is the source of eternal life. True substance, true treasure. People can say, well, I can't see it. Well, I'm sorry, you're blind then. You're blind. Because there is so much treasure in Him along this path. As you walk with Him, He works in you. He changes you. He shows you things. He reveals things to you. You know Him. He knows you. He is that beautiful Treasure that your heart should desire greater than anything else in this world. Everything else, like those songs say, should start to become dim, fade away. And when they raise up that little weed in Matthew 13, what does Jesus warn us about? That word, it lands in our heart. That word, we need to take this serious. Americans, we need to take this serious. In the country I live in, they all want to come here. They all want to come here. I said, man, I, I ran from here to there. <laughs> okay? Why do they want to come here? Because there's beautiful freeways, like seven-lane freeways. They have decorations of palm trees and people, fishermen. And, you know, you pass through uh, Orange County, and it's like you're in heaven or paradise, right? Uh, I talked to some Asian people. They came from China, and they said it's like paradise here. Green everywhere, right? We live in a little utopia. And so you need to guard your heart even more. So you can hold the true treasure that will not fade away where no thief approaches and no moth destroys. It's in the kingdom. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. That's what Jesus says in Luke chapter 12, verse 33 and 34. Okay? Sell what you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. This is why it's so important. Who is your treasure? What is your treasure tonight? It must be Christ alone. That's where your heart needs to be, and that's where your heart needs to remain. Fixed on Him. Use your life. That's what He's saying. Use it. I'm not asking you to give it to us. God provides our needs. Amen? In Mexico. But Jesus is saying, use what you have to serve. 
Use what you have to build the kingdom of Christ. You will not regret it in heaven. You will not regret it. Amen? If you have a house, bring people into it. Study the word. Pray together. Have a prayer meeting. Okay? If you, uh, you know, whatever, whatever you have. If you have a car, drive to an orphanage. Drive to a program. Go with people that are doing ministries. Be involved. Use your time. Use your gas. Use your money. Buy food for the poor. Use your extra clothes. Give them to your neighbor. Use these things for the kingdom of God. And you'll be filled with joy that the world does not have. He says he gives he says he gives peace that the world does not have. It's not the peace that the world has. Okay? These are treasures. I don't care what the world says. They, can't, they don't believe in what they don't see. They don't see their brain because sometimes they don't, you know. We need a brain, right? Use that one all the time. But anyway, it's a good one, I think. Lots of things we don't see that are very real. Okay? We need that beautiful fruit inside of us, those treasures that God works in us because why he is formed in us. He is that treasure. Look what it says in verse 10. In him you're made complete. And he is, look, he's exalting him so much. And he is the head over what? All rule and authority. He is the head. If you're, excuse me, if your eyes are fixed on him, even if everybody else in this room turned away, you're set. You are complete in him. And nothing can separate you from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. Amen? He needs to be your all. Truly, truly, not superficially. It's so easy to live a superficial life, isn't it? Hey, Fred. Hey, Frank. Hey, Thelma. You know, yeah, God bless you. See you next Sunday. And we go home and we kind of live differently and we do whatever. We look at things maybe that we know we wouldn't look at here. But, you know, uh, nobody's looking. Yeah, someone's looking. They're watching you. Angels are actually watching you also. And they stand before the face of God continually. Whew, right? Interesting. But also God is there in the room with you. Um, so... We live superficially so often. How, how are you doing? Oh, I'm good. No, you're not good. I see your countenance. It's fallen like God told Cain. No, something's going on. Oh, well, actually, my wife left me. Then you're not doing good. That's superficial, correct? We cannot have superficial Christianity. You cannot have Americanized Christianity. We need to build a foundation on the Word of God. Matthew 7, 24 and on to 27. Okay? Jesus says what? He who hears my words and obeys them, does them, is like a man, a wise man. He builds his house on a rock. And when the storm hits and beats against that house, it stands because it's founded on Christ who is everything. And he's the rock also. He's the water. He's the door. He's the bread of life. He's the vine. He's a good shepherd. He's all sorts of things. And he's the rock. He is the rock. Amongst a hundred other names. Amen. Beautiful names for him. 
Beautiful names. Wonderful counselor. Mighty God. Everlasting Father. Prince of Peace. Amen. Praise his name. Okay. But what happens to the man who hears the word and does not obey? We can hear. We can hear all day. That's a superficial Christian. Do not only hear. Obey the word. Allow God to sanctify you every day. Transform you. Who cares what the Christianity looks like around you? In, in, in this nation, that's not Christianity. That's a country club. That's, that's a social club. That's whatever that is. It, read the word. Let's follow Christ. And you have some beautiful examples in this church. Beautiful leadership. I love every one of them. Pray for them. I respect them. They, have, uh, they do a lot for the body of Christ. Pray for them. Don't talk about them. Pray for them. Build them up. Encourage them because they're in a war for you. They watch out for your souls as those who must give an account. So the scripture says, submit to them. Let them do so their job with joy, not with grief, because that would be unprofitable to you. That's Hebrews 13, 17. Yeah? Yes? Okay. This... This means yes in Mexico, okay? After uh, like three different women did this to me, and I was like, what, what are they doing? I felt kind of like blushing. <laughs> like, what's going on, dude? Like, it means yes. My brother said yes here because he's Hispanic now. He's been there for years. All right. Be founded on the rock. Otherwise, otherwise, You'll be a foolish man who hears the word and does not do it. Okay, James warns the same thing. Be hearers, don't be hearers of the word and, and not doers. Otherwise you, what, deceive yourself. That's James 1. Okay, you deceive yourself, but be doers of the word. And you will be blessed in what you do. You'll be blessed in what you do. Then he tells us what pure and undefiled religion, true religion is before God. To do what? Visit orphans and widows in their trouble and to keep yourself unspotted from the world. Be holy as he is holy. Let God change your life, sanctify your life, your mind. Whatever he wants to change, let him do it. It's to the glory of God. It lets, let Christ be formed in you so that you can mature and serve those around you and help them, the men teaching younger men how to be a real man, how to be like Christ. Women being godly women who present themselves such a beautiful, a beautiful way that they teach the younger women how to be circumspect, how to be discreet, how to be godly, how to be pure, how to conduct themselves in a manner worthy of Jesus Christ. Let them do this work in you. Form this beautiful treasure in your hearts. One that will never be taken away. Okay? In him you were also circumcised. Um... Verse 11, so again, in him, as a Christian, if you are a Christian, you've been circumcised with a circumcision made without hands in the removal of the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. So if you've, uh, verse 12, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you also were raised up with him through faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. Okay? So if you genuinely believe him then this 
has taken place. And this has to be you right here. That you were circumcised in your heart. You removed the flesh. You removed that old man out of your life. Okay? That, that sinful flesh. Okay? And now you walk with him. You've been buried with him. In, through baptism, you were buried with Jesus. That's what the baptism represents. Romans 6 teaches you that. In which you were also raised up with him through faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. If you're a believer, genuine believer, you've been buried to who you were. You've been raised with Christ in him. And now you're in him. And look at chapter 3. Therefore, if you have been raised up with Christ, keep seeking the things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind. You must set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth, because you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. Is this you? Is this you? It must be you. It must be you. You will stand alone before God. And you watching on, online, you will stand alone before God on the day of judgment. You won't stand next to me. You won't stand next to Pastor Joe. And Joe won't even stand next to, to his wife, Lisa, who is a wonderful example, both of them of godly men and women. Amen? Amen. And Steve and Carol back there, beautiful examples. Thank you, guys. Beautiful uh, example of how to be a father and a mother. Amen. Always counseling everybody, loving everybody, gentle. I need to be more like you, man. And I need a beard like you, too. And I wish I could shave my head still, but I can't down in Mexico. All right. They think I'm a cholo if I shave my head. Okay. I have two minutes, right? That's what it looks like here? Yeah? Okay. Thank you. All right. You've died with Christ. Now, this can't just be, yeah, I know, I know what the Bible says. Yeah, yeah, that's me. I'm baptized. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it has to be real. Is your life hidden with Christ? Then you are commanded to set your mind where he is. He's in the heavens. Your mind must be on the invisible things of the kingdom of God. I want to take you in these last two minutes just to Hebrews 11. It's a beautiful passage, and it's Moses. Look at this and learn from Moses quickly. Ooh. Where are we? Okay, if you're there before me, you're more spiritual, okay? All right, Hebrews 11. Quick, quick, quick. Okay, 11. 24 to 27. By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing, because he has a free will, rather to endure ill treatment with the people of God. That's odd, isn't it? To endure ill treatment with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin. Considering, listen to this, the reproach of Christ. This is Moses. How did he know about the Christ? He considered the reproach of Christ. Somehow he knew him, huh? Greater riches than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to what? The reward. Where was Moses' eyes? On Christ. Even in the Old Testament, thousands of years earlier, somehow he knew him, because Jesus... Is from the beginning. He had glory with the Father from the beginning. He was with God and he was God all the way from the beginning. He is the beginning and the end, the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last. He's the eternal God, Jesus the Son, 
Amen? And Moses considered. And he said, you know what? I'm so convicted. My people are suffering. And you know what? I'm going to take action even though I'm going to lose everything I have. All of my royalty. All of my money. Everything I could get killed by Pharaoh. And I'm giving it up. And I'm going to do what is right and suffer with my people. That is what you need in your heart tonight. Look at the last verse and then I'm done. By faith he left Egypt. That's what we need. Not fearing the wrath of the king. Why? He endured as seeing him who is unseen. Amen? You can only endure by seeing him who's unseen. You need to see Christ tonight. You need to see the treasure of Christ. Amen? And I'm done. Love you guys. Amen. In Jesus' name, amen.